Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. <coughs> and today, oh my god, I thought yesterday was a huge day. Today has been bombshell after bombshell on some of the biggest stories that we've been following. So, I'm just going to get this out of the way up front. First of all, my mouth is a little dry because I was eating Starburst before I started um, recording, so, so just deal with me, like you guys always do, um, no, um, firstly, we are going to be talking Jussie Smollett at the end of the show, so please stay tuned, um, I'm trying to get you guys all the late-breaking details, um, and honestly, and, and here, I have to give a big, big, big shout-out to Will, I had already seen the story, um, obviously, because I have um, the Hollywood Reporter in Deadline. Um, whenever a news story comes out, um, I automatically get a notification. Um, but he really helped um, get this segment built up. So thank you, Will. We're going to say it again at the end of the show. Um, but he really is an amazing producer, guys. Like, oh, I would be lost without him. Um, the other big story, Wendy Williams was rushed to the hospital after being found drunk last night. What? This is, the Wendy Williams saga is so sad. And, 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 okay, so let me be honest with you guys. I do feel a little... Um, it's funny talking about addiction, especially alcoholism, on a podcast called Drunk Gossip. But it is part of my job, and I'm going to do it. Um, but I, I do, I do want to just point out that I, I realize how weird this is. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. <coughs> this is how you guys know I'm actually live, and not, um, like, the, this is, this is live, like, I could have Will would edit that out for me if I asked him to, but I I like the live feel. You guys like the live feel, so let's just stick with it. Um. Anyway, so Wendy Williams was rushed to the hospital after she was found drunk last night. This was after reports that hers her husband's mistress had his love child. Um. And what here's what's amazing, and you can talk a lot of shit about Wendy Williams. But her work ethic is just crazy. Because after being in the hospital, she still showed up to the studio today to record her talk show. That is dedication. Um, so she was taken to the hospital. She was given IV fluids. And her source said, Wendy's not in a good way. Everyone is so concerned for her. The sad thing is that she's working so hard to stay sober and she's been so honest in her struggles with all her fans and this just tipped her over the edge. But the fact that she still came to the set just shows how strong she's trying to be. And I've been saying it and I'm going to keep saying it because I truly believe this. Wendy wanted this story out there. She is changing the narrative from her husband having a baby with another woman to her struggle. And the reason why she's doing that is because she's getting ready to leave him. 
all the signs are there. And I'm not saying that she's not struggling. She is. I, I truly believe she's struggling to say Stover. I believe that she's struggling to deal with her husband's infidelity. And that's why I think there's such a disconnect. Because I think... I, I think in a lot of ways, she just doesn't know... She knows what she wants to do. She knows how she want, what she wants to say. But it's it's difficult for her because her her husband Kevin is such a large presence in her life that she is working so hard to get him out of it, and I think she's going to be successful. Um, because there are so many people who don't like Kevin and who are already trying to wedge him out. And they're just waiting for the okay from Wendy to do this. And I think... And that time is coming. You you see... You see all the pins lined up. You see the bowling ball being thrown back. And now all she has to do is release it. Just like Brittany did with um, Kevin Federline... All those years ago. It's going to be the same thing with Wendy. We're, we're going to watch this. And we're going to watch just everything be knocked down. And you're going to watch me go and come right back. And I'm back. So, another big story that's um, started to creep up. And this is more of a social media story than... Than anything else. Uh, is Cardi B. Now. Some people know Cardi B from Love and Hip Hop. Um, obviously. Most people know her from rapping. But. Um, th- there's a contingent that knew her. When she was still. Um, when she was a reality star. But way before. Well, not way before, like a couple of years ago, like three, three, four years ago, she did an um, Instagram live where she basically talked about how she would sleep with men and then rob them. Um, in the in the video, she said, "I had to go strip. I had to go. Oh yeah, you want to fuck me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to this hotel, and I drug niggas up and I robbed them." That's what I used to do. Okay, that's bad. I mean, there, there is no coming back from that. And so social media went wild. Um, the hashtag um, surviving Cardi B was trending. And for a second, I really thought this, this was men's rights groups. Trying to turn the tables on a female celebrity. Because in the Me Too era, excuse me, in the Me Too era, it's basically been all men who have gone down, so to speak. Pardon the pun. Um, um, Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, James Franco. Uh, Ryan Adams, 
I'm sure I'm missing some. But you get the idea. Um, these, these men harassed and or allegedly assaulted women. And R. Kelly, which is, R. Kelly is the one that obviously um, the hashtag surviving Cardi B is um, in reference to um, surviving R. Kelly. Um, he was going after little girls, 14, 15 years old. So I'm not quite sure where that, how that comparison works. Um, because it does not sound like Cardi B was going after young guys. Um, it, maybe they were like 18, but I think... Okay, so true confession, I've not been to a strip club in New York. Well, I was at one, Boots and Saddles, um, years and years ago. Um, but even that wasn't really a strip part. It was more like, a, you know, he kept his his song on and he would let you touch his dick. Um, anyways. <laughs> um, Will's gonna love that story, by the way. <laughs> I am sure going to get yelled at for that. Um, oh, anyways. We're gonna, um, we're just gonna keep going with Cardi B. You know, I don't, she wasn't going after the young ones. Um, even if they were 18, at least they were of legal age. And again, I don't think she was going that young. Because I think there might be a, um, a 21-year limit. Like, you have to be at least 21 years old to come in to a strip club here in New York. Um, but Cardi B took to her Instagram to defend herself. As well she should. She said, so I'm seeing on social media that uh, that a live I did three years ago has popped back up. A live where I talk about things I had to do in my past, right or wrong, that I felt I needed to do to make a living. I never claimed to be perfect or come from a perfect world. With a past, I always speak my truth. I always speak, I always own my shit. And then she says, there are rappers that glorify murder, violence, drugs, and robbing. <laughs> Crimes they feel they had to do to survive. I never glorified the things I brought up in that live. I never even put those things in my music because I'm not proud of it and feel a responsibility not to glorify it. I made choices. I made the choices that I did at the time because I had very limited options. I was blessed to have been able to rise from that but so many, so many women have not. Whether or not they were poor choices at the time, I did what I had to do to survive. And you know what? I get it. We all do what we have to do to survive. Sometimes we take degrading jobs. Sometimes we go go to um, the state we ask for for welfare or whatever. And sometimes we drug and we have sex with men and drug them and take their money. Who hasn't done that? <laughs> oh, I'm going to get so yelled at. I'm going to go prepare myself and I will be right back. And I'm back. 
So, let, let's talk about Rosie and Elizabeth Hasselbeck's new feud. So, there was, um, and I didn't really talk about it last night, or in the last episode, rather, um, because it just seems so silly. But Rosie O'Donnell admitted that she had a crush on Elizabeth Hasselbeck. Now, this is not strange. Um, at least I don't think so. I've worked with plenty of men who I've had a crush on when I actually dated for, for a couple of weeks. And... So, you know, you work with someone for eight hours a day, you're bound to get close to them. You're bound to, um, I'm trying to find the right word here. You're bound to be attracted to one another. And... Rosie went out of her way to make sure everyone knew that it was not, like, a sexual thing. But Elizabeth was not happy with that. Plus, she has a book to promote. And, you know, controversy sells. So, um... Elizabeth Hasselbeck was on Fox and Friends and... She said it was offensive and disturbing that Rosie had a crush on her. And so Rosie said, Hey, A, my crush on you was not sexual. Sorry you got scared, heart. And then, and then Hasselbeck said, and whether you're a man or a woman, and you're objectifying women in the workplace, it's wrong. And Rosie was just not having this. I don't know if, if she was watching live or what was going on. But she said, surely you recall before it all went wrong, I never objectified you. I did find you fantastic. Broadway shows, my pool, we were friends once, heart. God, love you, kid. I always did. And Elizabeth Hasselbeck says she tried to call Rosie to talk about the book and the excerpt. But she had an out-of-date number for for Rosie. And that she forgives... she forg- Elizabeth forgives Rosie and um, prays for her. Here's the thing. Like, okay. We've... If you're... If you're part of the LGBT community, I'm going to go out on the limb and say chances are you've had a crush on someone who is straight. And no, it's not like, oh, we want to change you. Sometimes we just find someone attractive and that's all there is to it. And... You know, and, you know sometimes... When you're getting close to someone, you you do 
uh, mix up the, the signal. Sometimes you don't. But sometimes you do. And, you know, at and when Rosie and, and Elizabeth worked together, they were both married. And, I mean, this is Hollywood and celebrities and whatnot, so there's most definitely a chance that an affair could have blossomed. But, I think the truth of this matter is, it was probably just a friendship and Rosie probably liked talking to someone who was the opposite from her. And she liked to be intellectually challenged, which I don't know how Elizabeth intellectually challenged Rosie O'Donnell, but... You know, and I think, if anything, this whole, this whole thing is designed to promote a book. Some will argue it's designed to promote Ladies Who Punch, and others will say it's designed to promote... Elizabeth's book point of view. I'm in the latter camp. I think this is all being done in the hopes of promoting Elizabeth's book. You know, and her trying, her saying she tried to reach out to Rosie. Where was she when Rosie's fiance died? Or Rosie's wife died? Why didn't she reach out to her then? Why didn't she reach out to her via social media? You know, I get it, you know, sometimes you you want to talk about something in private. But you could just tweet at her, hey, give me a call sometime. Or send her a, a DM. If you're really trying to get a hold of someone, send them a DM. Be, because that's the best way to go about it. And they're going to they're gonna see it. And if they want to talk to you, they'll reach out. If they don't, that's your answer. And my answer is, I'm going to be right back. Okay, and I'm back. So I was going to do a blind item here where it was going to be Jesse Smalley, but... <laughs> the, the next segment is going to be crazy long, and I figured we all needed a break. So, I, uh... <coughs> oh, sorry. I figured, um, let's have something a little bit lighter before... Before we go in. Um, so, we're going to do a drunk writing segment. Um, back a few months ago, John Gershom did an interview with NPR. And he talks about his schedule. So the the host asked, said, you know, I've read that you have a schedule where you start writing a book in, what is it, the middle of the summer, the middle of August, and you finish by Christmas, and then you take the rest of the year off. And John Gershom said that was the old schedule. The new schedule is, I start a book every year on January the 1st and finish July the 1st. That's the goal, is July, July the 1st. And so I give myself six months. And you know, it's easy to write during the wintertime when things are slow and all that. I mean, I have no real job. You know, this is not a real job. 
I have plenty of time to write. I haven't worked 40 hours a week in like 30 years. Okay? So it's not a real job. Here's the thing. I take issue with what he's saying. Writing is a real job. And if you're making your money, if you're... um, If that's how you're paying your mortgage, if that's how you're paying your light bill, then it's a real job. And I don't think he means it in a derogatory way. I actually think um, he's trying to say, like, he enjoys enjoys doing it. And, you know, since he doesn't have a set schedule, you know, he doesn't have to work 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. He can write whenever he wants. Um, But my issue becomes when... When people, especially successful writers, start saying it's not a real job, what happens is people, friends of writers, and this has happened to me, start, oh, well, you know, you're you're just writing, right? So you can do this for me or you can do this for me. No, I can't. I treat writing like a job. You know... I don't have the discipline that he does where he says, I'm starting it on January 1st and I'm finishing it by July 1st. Um, like, I, I'm going to write the Jesse Smollett um, story. And with that, like with the Megan Kelly book, that's fairly easy. I have all the research and resources at my disposal. Um, and... I have some extra time this week. So charging through it and getting it done is not a huge deal. And I can probably have it published in a week's time, maybe two weeks' time. Um, if if I get Will to edit it for me and whatnot. But... That, a tome like that will, won't take me long because the research is already there. I've already talked about it ad nauseum. I know the details like the back of my hand. So all I have to do is sit down and actually just start typing. When you're, when you're writing a fiction book, um, it's not always that easy. Um, Crazy Rich Homos was written, um, for NaNoWriMo. But again, that is more um, than saying, be disciplined. Write 1,600 words a day. Um, Crazy Rich Weddings, which is um, my Camp Nano book in April, it's the same thing. There's, they're just saying, sit down, get disciplined, and write every single day. So it's easy to do that when you, when you don't have your internal filter on and you just turn everything off. And say, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to write. And once I, once I hit 50,000 words, I'm done. But when you're... When, um, when you're working on, like, a mystery or... Um, when you're working on a book that's not a nano project, you don't get to say, oh, 50,000 words and I'm done. And there are some people who, who even doing the nano, they hit 50,000 and they're not done. And so, 
my whole thing is, you know, Stephen King said it best. If you pay the light bill with writing, you're a real writer. And writing is a full-time job. Maybe you don't go to an office. Maybe the more successful ones do. Um, maybe you just write at home. But if you're if you're paying your bills with writing money, that's a job. So, be grateful. And I'm not. And I'm not trying to imply that John Grisham is not. But I think we writers need to be grateful for what they have. And enjoy it. And I'm going to enjoy going and coming right back. And I'm back. Are you guys ready to jump right into the Jesse Smollett stuff? Of course you are, because we all are. So, as I told you a couple weeks back, the prosecution has dropped all the charges against Jesse Smollett. Now... Here's the thing. I mean, I wasn't really surprised. And as I said, Will, like, was right on it, sending me all the information I needed to do this segment. So thank you, Will. God send. Miracle worker. Um, Whatever you want to say. But, I wasn't really surprised. Um... And once again, I just have to tip my hat to N.T. Lawyer over at Crazy Days and Nights. Because he had that story before anyone else. And he risked, because he he posted that item the same day that Jesse was charged with 16 counts. Um... So he really risked his reputation to put that up. Um, And like I told Will, I'm not a lawyer. But I think... um, I think what happened was... To get the grand jury to... um, To get the grand jury to... um, Bring the charges, they only needed circumstantial evidence... And they probably had that in spades. But when it actually came to time to trial, the defense could pull holes in all of that. And I think that's something that really needs to be looked at is, I, unless I'm much mistaken, and I'm sure um, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that there's... Um... I don't think that there's a chance for the defense to speak at a grand jury. I think it's just the prosecution. So a convincing lawyer could probably sell this. Like, hey, this is what we think this guy did. Blah, blah, blah. Because I think that's how a lot of these murderers get... Um, that's how a lot of these murderers... Um, have the charges brought against them. Afterwards, the process, um, one prosecutor 
um, gave a one sentence statement, which was, we believe this outcome is a just disposition and appropriate resolution to this case. Jesse Smollett said, I have been truthful and consistent on every level since day one. I would not be my mother's son if I was capable of one drop of what I've been accused of. And okay, so here's here's a little bit here's some details of what went down. Jesse showed up to the Chicago courthouse for a secret hearing. Right after the secret hearing, around 11 o'clock this morning, the prosecutor, um, or rather, the defense attorneys for Jesse, released a statement saying that all charges had been dropped against him and he'd been exonerated. <coughs> and then... Reaction started. Fox, which airs Empire, which obviously Jesse stars on, said that they were gratified and happy that Jesse had been cleared. Um, um, the prosecutor, as evidence and Theories mounted that the prosecutor didn't have a solid case. Um, Joe Maggot, Maggots, kept insisting that they had a strong case against Jesse and he would have been convicted had they gone to trial. But then he said, we work to prioritize violent crime and the drivers of violent crime. I don't see Jesse Smollett as a threat to public safety. But Rahm Emanuel does not agree. And he does not agree with the decision to not prosecute Jesse Smollett. He said, our officers did hard work day in and day out, countless hours working to unwind what actually happened that night. The city-sized reputation dragged through the mud. And you cannot have, because of a person's position, one set of rules apply to them and one set of rules that apply to everyone else. Um, Eddie Johnson, who headed up this investigation and botched it badly... And no matter what anyone says, he he bowed to public pressure to prove that it was a hoax. Said, I think the city is still owed an apology. At the end of the day, it's Mr. Smollett who committed this hoax. And here's the thing. You know, it's... It's it's not surprising. Um, but one of the things that really struck me and Will as odd as we talked about the case and the story, um, he was helping me shape it, 
was that in a in a plea deal situation, and I'm I'm speaking from experience, not not a plea deal for me, but a plea deal for um, my abusive ex. First of all, the record is not sealed. Usually not sealed, I should say. In this case, it is. Which automatically triggers weirdness. Second, you don't, you, you don't get the plea deal for doing two days of community service. Um, my, I, my ex had um, jail time, which um, I think he got some time off for um, time that he served. He was assigned to anger management classes, and he had fines that he had to pay, plus community service. And again, this was not sealed. And furthermore, um, there was um Jesse had to forfeit the ten thousand dollars um bond and that went um back to the city. But that is standard procedure in this case in cases like this. Um And, but the other thing about the plea deal is you normally have to plead guilty or at least no contest. He didn't do that. Jesse walked away still saying not guilty. And the state's attorney, um, I'm going to pull up his quote for you. Um, but Jesse's attorney say that he was exonerated. Um, and all that. But the state attorney said, no, no, that, that's not what we're saying at all. We could have, we could have won. We could have um, got him convicted. Um, Joseph... Oh, it's Joseph Maggots again. He said, I do not believe he is innocent. (coughs) Based on all the facts and circumstances of the case, and also keeping in mind resources and keeping in mind that the office's number one priority is to combat violent crime, I decided to offer this, this disposition in this case. No. Mm -mm. Sorry, not buying it. Because everyone was so quick to have him charged and to play this trial out in the court of public opinion. But then you're not going to let him have his day in court. He was exonerated by these charges being dropped. If you thought he was guilty, you should have prosecuted him, period. Um, And I told Will um, in our chat... My theory, the theory that this is a celebrity getting away with something is is nonsense. Because I would argue R. Kelly is the more influential and bigger celebrity. 
so if they were if they were trying to um carry a celebrity's favor, it would be with him. Now it could be argued that Jesse had the lesser offense, but that's not true. Trump has not weighed in on R. Kelly's case, interestingly enough, since human trafficking and sex slavery are supposed to be his big issues du jour. Um, but he definitely weighed in on the Jesse Smollett case. And so when when someone in the position that Trump is in starts leaning in and, and commenting on the case, that applies more pressure. So, again, I don't believe for one second that they didn't have enough. Um, or I don't believe for one second that, that they they gave him this deal because he's a celebrity in whatever. I believe that they gave him this deal because they knew that they were not going to get the conviction. With R. Kelly, they're going to get that conviction. Without a doubt. There's too much evidence. But with Jesse Smollett, there's not enough evidence to to have him convicted. So, and it, it also needs to be said that Jesse does still face federal... Could still be facing federal charges for allegedly sending a threatening letter to himself. I'll, although I would venture a guess that either the FBI is not going to find anything or that investigation is nearly wrapped up and we're going to hear about any charges he faces within the next week or so. Um, Blind Gossip had a item up about this saying basically that the prosecutor, the state prosecutor, um, Kim Fox, has aspirations for higher office and someone in a position of power told her that this case does not fit the narrative of the party and um, she needed to let it go and that's what happened. I'm going to call BS on this for one reason and one reason only. Fox was not prosecuting the case. Now, I'm not saying that she couldn't have gone to her underling and said, Hey, 69 this. But I am going to, I am going to say that it's probably likely that, um, it's probably likely that either this is not a real blind or if it is a real blind, um, someone got their facts mixed up. Because, um, like I said, Kim Fox didn't, wasn't involved in the case. She recused herself for whatever reason. So, um, it doesn't really 
make sense in that case. But as always, I'm going to stick on top of the story for you, and I will bring you any latest developments in future episodes of Drunk Gossip. As always, I would like to thank you guys for listening. I would not be here without you. And until next time, cheers.